we come together, I, um, I do want to share some thoughts um, from, from God's Word in relationship to, to our veterans, uh, to um, our call as citizens, um, as Christian citizens in, uh, in this nation, and, uh, and help us just to understand a little bit more about um, the responsibility that we have that comes with the privilege that we have. And so if you have your Bibles this morning, you'd like to, you can turn to Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13, that's where we'll be taking uh, our main text this morning. And we'll be looking at a few other passages together. In 1976, we celebrated the bicentennial anniversary of the signing of the Declaration of Independence. And you think about that for a moment and begin to realize that that's been over 40 years ago. And, uh, and I can remember that celebration. I, I can remember the, the attitude that accompanied that, the uh, patriotism, uh, the love of our nation, the red, white, and blue were, were all uh, at an all-time high. And it just seemed like everything that surrounded that year and that celebration of 200 years of existence and, and 200 years of, of freedom that we have had as, as a nation just seemed to bring out the best in people. Over the years since that time, there have been other events that have occurred that, that have kind of brought that same kind of a motivation, that same kind of encouragement, if you would, of our our commitment to our nation, our, our patriotism. And one of those was an unfortunate event, but it still stirred the same type of, of patriotism and commitment to our nation, and that was 9-11. And interestingly enough, you, you think about that, and that's been 18 years ago. And, and on 9-11, when those events unfolded and the tragedies that occurred on that day uh, in, in the history of our nation, uh, it was, was very quickly after that, in the next few days, that, that you could not find a flag. That any store that you went to, any place that produced flags, that they were, they were all gone. And every corner that you turned and every house that you looked and, and, and there were flags flying and there were red, white and blue streamers and, and there was a sense of patriotism and a, and a coming together again as a nation and gathering together again as a people for a purpose and a cause of the freedom that we celebrate as a nation. And we had songs that were written and events that took place to that following that, that, that stirred unity and, and encouragement and strength. In our nation. But unfortunately, since that time period over the last several years, that, that sense of patriotism has begun to fade. And there are people who, who will protest our national anthem and protest our flag and protest our government and our nation. And there is, seems to be a a waning of patriotism and commitment to the nation. And I, I think about the unfortunate side of that. All of those who have served over the many, many years in our military, served to protect our freedom, served to, to give us the right to come together on a Sunday morning like this and, and worship the Lord freely without fear of, 
of any repercussion or, or without fear of, of any, any negative that would happen from that. And those who have not only served faithfully, but given their lives in order to protect our freedom and, and the government of this nation. And, and yet there are people who, who turn their back on that. People who turn a, a blind eye and a deaf ear to the acknowledgement of those who serve faithfully to defend and protect our nation. As Christians, we are called to be good citizens first of the kingdom of God. But then because of that citizenship, we are called to be good citizens of this nation. Romans chapter 13 gives us some insight and instruction in regard to that. Beginning of the very first verse, verse, it says this, Let every person be in subjection to the government governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. And those who exist are established by God. Therefore, he who resists authority has opposed the ordinances of God. And they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. For rulers are not a cause to fear, rules, rulers are not a cause to fear for good behavior, but for evil. Do you want to have no fear of authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For it is a minister of God to you for good. But if you do what is evil, be afraid. For it does not bear the sword for nothing. For it is a minister of God, an avenger who brings wrath upon the one who practices evil. Wherefore, it is necessary to be in subjection, not only because of wrath, but also because of conscience' sake. For because of this, you also pay taxes. For rulers are servants of God, devoting themselves to this very thing. Render to all what is due them, tax to whom tax is due, and custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, and honor to whom honor. Interesting passage of Scripture when we think about the history that goes into to the Scripture, the events that have unfolded in the lives of believers at this particular time in history, the persecution that was being uh, enacted upon them, uh, the difficulties and challenges that they were facing. And, and I know we stop sometimes and we say, well, the government's not like it used to be. It's true. That, that, that is an absolute truth. But the fact remains that the government is the government. The government was not what it used to be in this day and time. When these words were penned, the Christian people and, and God's people had gone through a great deal of persecution. They had gone through a great deal of, of rejection and, and being outcast and, and unacceptable in society. They had faced those things themselves. And yet the Word of God came and said, you need to be subject to the authorities, to the governing authorities, because they are placed there by God's hand. Now I know sometimes when we look at government today, we think, how in the world... Can they be placed there by God's hand? But here's the fact of the matter. It's not the individual or the actions of those people who fall there. It is the structure of the government that gives order and direction to a nation. And God is a God of order. God is a God of direction. And He would not allow a nation to exist without the proper direction and order that it should receive. And, and that takes place through a governing body that gives that order and direction. 
And so God has ordained that there will be those who will take roles of responsibility, and in those roles of responsibility, they will give direction and order to a nation, and the people of that nation and the citizens of that nation are to follow that direction. There's only one exception to that ever. The only exception to that is ever is if our government asks us to do something that is directly in disobedience or opposed to the truths of God's Word. Then there is an acceptable time to disobey. But outside of that, the Scripture says that as citizens of the kingdom of God and citizens of a nation, we are to subject ourselves to the authorities who have been placed in positions of responsibility as a nation. And so I want us to look at just a few things in regards to that today. The first one is this. We are to be subject to the government because it is a divine appointment. It is God's direction. It is God's plan. Like everything in life, God has a plan. God has a purpose. He has a design from the very beginning when He placed Adam and Eve in the garden. He had a design for a man and a woman, a husband and a wife, for them to procreate and to to replenish and to fill the earth with children. That was God's plan. It was God's design. And all the way through history, we see God's plan and God's design over and over and over again. Uh, There is an order when a husband and wife come together. The Scripture is very clear that the husband is to be the leader or the head of the household. Not because he's better, not because he's more significant, not because he's smarter or any of those things. It's because that's God's design. It's God's plan. It's God's order. And God places order in all things that He does. And so when we look at God's Word, we have to understand that God has a purpose for the things that He does. There's an order in which He places them, and we are to look to those orders in order to give us direction in our life. The order that He places things and the direction that He gives things, He he does those things because it is useful, because He sees that as the design that is most fitting and, and, and most beneficial to us as His children and as believers. And so when we understand that God has a plan and He has an order and He has a design, and He calls us then to follow that in obedience and faithfulness. And and that's a simple thing. We we sometimes make that much more complicated than it has to be. It, It really is simply this. God has a design. God has a plan. He has an order. Let's follow it. Let's just do what He's called us to do. And if we do that, we see over and over and over again that God's design and God's order and God's plan always brings about God's will. Let me give you a case in point. Just a quick one. There are many throughout God's Word, but this one always amazes me. You remember the story, we sing a song about it, Joshua fought the battle of Jericho. I mean, you really think about that. We're thinking about veterans today, and we're thinking about a military, and we're thinking about army, and and those who have served faithfully in the armed forces, and and have defended the freedoms that we have, and, and, and where we are as a nation today. And I think about Jericho. And I think about these fortified walls. And God had an order, and God had a plan, and God said, here's what you're going to do. You're going to march around the walls. You're going to march around the walls. Gonna just march around the walls. Did that make sense? Did in any way, shape, or form, would any army ever look at that and go, wow, this is an amazing strategy. This is gonna work out so well. I know what's gonna happen. No! They didn't have any idea what was gonna happen. They didn't know, but guess what? It was God's plan. It was God's plan. It was God's design. It was God's order. And when they obeyed it, 
They followed it exactly as God designed it, the order in which he placed it. And when they had done exactly what God said they should do, we know what happened. The walls of Jericho fell. Why? Is there any reasoning or explanation that the walls of Jericho should have fallen? None other than they simply obeyed God and followed his plan and his order and his design. And we need to learn from that. That that's exactly what God calls us to. He calls us to follow His plan, His order, and His design. And He calls us to obedience in regards to that. That's the second thing that I want us to see. He's very clear in this passage of Scripture that for us to resist that authority is to disobey God's order, God's plan, and God's design. Look back at those verses, if you would, for just a moment and, and see what it says there. Therefore, in verse 2, He who resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God. And they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. Pretty simple. It's pretty straightforward. He doesn't beat around the bush, does he? He says, listen, if you resist the authority that God has placed and put in place, he says, then you are disobeying God. We need to understand that. We need to understand that, that the order in which God has given us in life, and we go into scriptures and we can look at that in many areas of life. We can look at that in, in regards to the government and, and its authority and, and our call to submit and subject ourselves to that. We can look at that in the marriage relationship and men and women in our world today. We can look at that in business in our world today. Over and over again through God's word, he gives us instruction on how to live life as believers. Not just be good citizens here, but, but good citizens of the kingdom of God that create good citizens here. And he says, if you'll follow my plan and my design and the order in which I've given you, then there will be blessing for you. There will be good things that will come in, in obedience to that. But disobedience to that, he says, there will be negative things that will come. There will be destruction that will come. And we have to be very careful about that. We have to be very careful about choosing what we want to obey and what we don't want to obey. Choosing what makes sense to us or makes sense to the world in which we live, but, but maybe it doesn't really make sense in, in if we do what God says to do. And so we choose to, to do something differently. Another example of that would, would be our giving. God calls us to give. I talked about this a few weeks ago uh, in regards to the fact that, that everything that we have is His already. Everything that we have, including our very life, belongs to Him. It is He who provides the air that we breathe and provides the design of our lungs to function that air and the heartbeat that is within us and the brain that causes us to function. He provides all of that. And so everything is His, including us. And He calls us to give back to Him. And sometimes I think we, we say something mistakenly when we talk about giving. And that's we say this word. And, 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 and listen, if you've said it, I'm not, not pointing at anybody individually. I'm just saying we use this a great deal in the church. We give back a small portion of that which you've given to us. Why is it a small portion? Why is it little? Why can't we give to God in a grand way? Why can't we give to God out of what He's blessed us with abundantly? He's given freely to us. Why can't we give freely back to Him? Why can't we give abundantly to God out of what He's blessed us with? Instead of always saying this idea that, well, we give back a small portion. No, let's give back a big, big portion. Let's give back a big bunch. Let's say to God, God, you've blessed me in an unbelievable way, and I want to give back to you all that I can in every way that I can. 
We're talking about it earlier about giving of our time, giving of our talents, giving of our energy, giving of our resources, not just our dollars. Giving back to God in a big way, in an abundant way, in obedience. Why? Because that's what He's called us to. Now, I know a lot of times it doesn't make sense because we say, I've got to pay bills. I've got to meet this obligation. I've got to meet this responsibility. I've got to do this thing. And if I, if I give to God, then I don't have enough money to do all these other things that I'm supposed to do, I'm obligated to do, or the things that I want to do. So sometimes giving doesn't make sense to us. So sometimes we struggle with the concept of the idea of giving back to God from, from that which is already His, that He's blessed us with, the abundance in our life. Listen, I, I read a thing this week. I, I don't know who the, the author was. I, I don't know that I ever even said an author. But, but I thought it was so interesting. It said, listen, the life that you have, somebody else would love to have your life. The job that you have, somebody else would love to have your job. The home that you have, someone else would love to have the home that you have. The family that you have, someone else would love to have the family that you have. And begin to think about that, and, and the idea was talking about the blessings that we have. And we're so blessed, and we're so fortunate in life. And sometimes we feel like, boy, my life isn't much, my job isn't much, and I wish I had a better house, I wish I had... And stop and think about a minute just how God's blessed us. Just how fortunate we are in the things that He's done for us, and in the things that He's given and provided for us. And remember, it's all His. And so when we give, let's give back with abundance. And, and when we obey, let's obey completely. And, and, and let's not look at it and go, man, I, I know what He wants me to do, but that just doesn't make sense. I, I know what His Word says, but, but nobody else is doing it that way. And let's go, but you know what? Whatever God says, it's His design. It's His plan. It's His order. And I'm going to follow what He's instructed me to do in obedience. Third thing I want to see this morning is this. The government is in place to encourage what is good and punish what is evil. Now, I, th- I think sometimes those lines get I think sometimes in, in the world in which we live today, there's some confusion over those things. But what we must hold to always is truth is what does God's Word say? What does God's Word say is good? Whatever is good, that needs to be honored. Whatever is good, that needs to be encouraged. Whatever is good, that needs to be practiced in our life. Whatever is evil or whatever is not good, that needs to be discouraged. That, that needs to be punished. That needs to be dealt with in, in a proper way in order to encourage people to live in obedience to the truths of God's Word. But the government is there for that purpose. And so in relationship to that, we should never have to fear our government unless we're doing something we shouldn't do. That's what God's Word says. That's why Romans chapter 13, we just read together, that's what I said. He said, listen, the, the law is there, and the rules are there, in order to punish that which is evil. If you're doing good, you, you ought to be alright. And so we should never have to fear our government unless we're doing something that we shouldn't be doing. And he says in relationship to that, he calls us to obedience. He calls us to faithfulness. He calls us to, to something more than just being good citizens. In fact, if you want to leave Romans chapter 13 and flip over with me to 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy gives us a a passage of Scripture. I I think that is encouraging to us, but it is very instructive to us in regards to our behavior as citizens of this nation and citizens of the kingdom of God. 1 Timothy chapter 2, 
beginning in the very first verse, listen to what he says. First of all, that's pretty important, isn't it? Let me lay out to you the first thing here. First of all, then I urge that entreaties and prayers, petitions and thanksgiving be made on behalf of all men. So, so he says, first of all, we ought to be praying for everyone. We shouldn't leave anybody off of our prayer list is what he was saying. And notice he talks about entreaties, prayers, petitions, and thanksgiving. Those are four different aspects of my prayer life. Entreaties on behalf of, petitions on behalf of, asking God for something for someone else in life. Petitions, thanksgiving. All of these are are elements of our prayer life that we should be lifting people up. But notice what he goes on. For kings and all who are in authority, in order that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Listen to what he said. He said, listen, first, we should be praying for everyone. And then he adds some specific kings and rulers and those who are in authority. Not only are we to be good citizens, not only are we to to reverence them and, and obey the instruction of the law and the government, he says we're to pray for them. And, and we're to pray for them regularly. We're to pray for them continually. As citizens of, of the kingdom of God and citizens of this nation, we are to be prayer warriors on behalf of our government leaders. Those who are kings and rulers and in authority. We are to pray for them on a daily basis. Seeking what? Seeking for God to give them guidance. Seeking for them to seek God in the decisions that they make. Encouraging them in regards to faithful and obedience to to God's word. We need to pray. And it says this is good and acceptable in the eyes of God. God says this is a good thing for us to do. Who here, if you think about it for a moment, would say, you know what? I know that God says it's good and acceptable, but I don't want to do it. If God says it's good and acceptable, it should motivate us to have a great desire to do that in our life. To pray for those who are in authority. Those who have responsibility as Christians and as citizens of this nation we we should pray for those who serve our nation and our armed forces we should be thankful for the veterans who who are no longer in active service but who serve faithfully to protect our freedom and to defend our nation we should honor our veterans in, in every opportunity, in every way that we can to say to them, thank you for your service. Thank you for your dedication. Thank you for, for protecting our freedom and our nation and our way of life. We should honor them. We should respect them. And, and we should appreciate them for what they have done for us. And so this morning... The idea is that as we as citizens of the kingdom of God and citizens of this nation, that, that we need to return to a heart of patriotism. That we need to return to an attitude of, of submission to the governing authorities and praying for them and lifting them up. And that we, we should be a people who appreciate those who are currently serving and those who have served in the past to protect the freedom of our nation. And so this morning, as we prepare for invitation hymn, 
I want to encourage you to just take a moment to look at your life. Take a moment and evaluate your attitude. And and to ask yourself the question, am I a good citizen of the kingdom of God? And am I a good citizen of this nation? Am I doing what God's word instructs me to do? And if not, am I willing to change? Am I willing to to do things differently in my life going forward? And if you are, and if there's a decision on your heart, won't you come as we stand and we sing?